private militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms. Cam and Company, my name is Cam Edwards. And today we are going to be talking about that right of the people. Specifically, what does the people mean? Who is encompassed by that phrase, the people? Are, for instance, convicted felons part of the people who possess the right to keep and bear arms. Now, in the uh, Heller and McDonald decisions, the Supreme Court uh, uh, took pains to say that uh, nothing in their decisions cast doubt on longstanding prohibitions against, you know, the uh, mentally ill and uh, convicted felons from possessing firearms. Uh, But in the Bruin decision, the Supreme Court, well, again, not specifically uh, saying anything at all about uh, felons in possession of firearms and the existing federal law, Uh, did lay out uh, a new test for the uh, lower courts to use. Basically, and it wasn't really a new test. They said this is the test that the lower courts should have been using all along, but the lower courts did not adopt the history, text, and tradition test, and instead they used this two-step tiered scrutiny test to determine first whether someone's Second Amendment rights were implicated, and then uh, if so, whether or not the government had a good enough reason to do so, basically. Um. Now we're starting to see some cases pop up in appellate courts around the country dealing with the ability of convicted felons to possess firearms, or rather the inability of convicted felons to possess firearms, in a post-Bruin legal landscape. Uh, And there are a couple of developments. I think this is going to be really interesting. This is not necessarily going to get uh, as much attention, well, I say that, as the Supreme Court taking a a case dealing with so-called assault weapons or a magazine ban, for instance. But You know darn well, actually, the media would lose its ever-loving mind uh, if and when the Supreme Court agrees to hear a challenge to the existing federal prohibition on all convicted felons, uh, domestic violent misdemeanors, and uh, those adjudicated as mentally defective. But in particular, uh, again, those uh, subject to a felony conviction, uh, losing their Second Amendment rights forevermore. So we've got a couple of cases to talk about today. The first, out of the Third Circuit Court of Appeals where a a three-judge panel not long ago upheld uh, the prohibition on gun ownership for an individual who was convicted of tax fraud back in the 1990s. Uh, Now, an en banc panel, the full Third Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, has agreed to uh, hear this case uh, and to hear the arguments uh, from this uh, gentleman, through his attorneys, of course, as to why this ban is unconstitutional. Brian Range uh, is this uh, gentleman's name. And uh, as I said, Mr. Range uh, pleaded guilty back in the mid-1990s, 1995, to uh, to welfare fraud. I said it was tax fraud, welfare fraud, uh, to obtain $2,458 worth of food stamps. Should that crime, which again is a crime, should that crime forevermore uh, prohibit Uh, Mr. Range from exercising his right to keep and bear arms. Mr. Range says no. He says the ban on felons buying firearms adopted by the Gun Control Act of 1968 had blocked him from buying a hunting rifle because his attempted purchases were flagged by a federal background check system and that, but for the prohibition, he might also buy a handgun for self-defense. Now, again, this three-judge panel uh, cited, quote, history and tradition in finding that individuals constitutionally entitled to bear arms are the, quote, law-abiding responsible citizens. Uh, of this nation. Panel held that uh, that category, quote, properly excludes those who have demonstrated disregard for the rule of law through the commission of felony and felony equivalent offenses, whether or not 
those crimes are violent. Now, the Fifth Circuit uh, is also considering a case dealing with a, a felon in possession of a firearm. Who's arguing that, uh, that, that that this prohibition is unlawful? Uh, this is a case called the U.S. v. Hickox. Uh, and what's fascinating about this case is that we've recently seen uh, all of the federal public defenders' offices in the fifth Dis- or in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals file an amicus brief uh, on the part of Hickox and his challenge to the existing prohibitions, which the public defenders in the Fifth Circuit, again, say are unconstitutional. Uh, And and I'll quote from their uh, brief here. Uh, In New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, the Supreme Court reaffirmed that the Second Amendment right to bear arms is not a second-class right. The court rejected decades of, quote, judicial deference to legislative interest balancing in the form of means and scrutiny in Second Amendment jurisprudence. Instead, it announced that a modern firearms regulation's constitutionality depends only on the Second Amendment's text and historical understanding. Under this new framework, which, again, I don't think is really new. I think that's what they said in Heller McDonald and were ignored by the lower courts, but whatever. Under this new framework, the public defender's rights, uh, 18 U.S.C. 922 G1, which is the federal prohibition on felons in possession of firearms, violates the Second Amendment. The public defender's right, the statute impacts the core Second Amendment right to possess a firearm for self-defense. This right belongs to all, quote, the people under the Constitution including felons, and the government cannot meet its burdens to show that 922G1 is consistent with the nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation because there is no relevant historical evidence of categorically disarming felons, which, by the way, is true. Um, Now, this amicus brief tries to, and I think does a pretty good job of addressing some of the claims that uh, we saw, for example, from the Third Circuit uh, panel that said, listen, the the right to keep arms applies only to law-abiding citizens, not, I mean, yeah, it might say the people, but in reality, the people in this case means a subset of the people, a large one, right? Those who have not been convicted of a felony offense, but, uh, you know, it, it doesn't technically apply to the people. Well, these public defenders in the Fifth Circuit say, uh, au contraire, mon frere. They say, well, some district courts have held that felons are excluded from the people protected by the Constitution because Heller and Bruin referenced law-abiding citizens in dicta. Neither Heller nor Bruin held that, quote, the people is limited only to, quote, law-abiding citizens or excludes felons. Rather, they write, Heller explained that whatever else the Second Amendment leads to future evaluation, it surely elevates above all other interests the right of law-abiding responsible citizens to use arms in defense of heart and home, right? So, in other words, uh, the floor might be uh, that, yes, law-abiding citizens absolutely must possess the the right to keep and bear arms and self-defense in the home. That was the floor set by Heller. Clearly, that wasn't the ceiling, right? Because by the time we got to the McDonald case, it was uh, people have a right to keep their arms in their home, and the state government or your local government cannot infringe on that right any more than the federal government can, right? By the time we got to uh, Bruin, it was, well, yeah, not only does the Second Amendment protect the right to keep and bear arms or to to keep arms in the home for self-defense, 
but it protects that concurrent right to bear arms in public in self-defense. And that right to bear arms is no less important than the right to keep arms. So with every case that the court has had to explore what the right to keep arms actually looks like, the court has said um, it's a real and fundamental right. Granted, it's taken an incremental approach, which I think is to be expected from a fairly conservative Supreme Court. I don't think that they are trying to um, throw out every gun law in the country. But what's interesting here is that the public defenders in the Fifth Circuit uh, argue that you do have to throw out the current statute dealing with felons in possession. Now, maybe you could write something else that uh, uh, is more narrowly tailored, right? Maybe it addresses violent felons and would see if that would uh, you know, stand up to constitutional muster. Uh, maybe it's a, uh, a ban based on uh, the dangerousness of an individual versus the uh, you know crime or the level of crime that uh, uh, they were convicted of. But the public defenders say, look, there is no historical evidence up until the 20th century for any longstanding tradition uh, in this country of simply depriving all felons the ability to keep and bear arms. As they write in their brief, a brief review of English and early American historical categorical firearms restrictions evidences a troubling tradition of disarming religious and political dissidents and targeting minority communities, but not felons. And they know the Second Amendment is properly understood as a repudiation of many of these oppressive regulations rather than an endorsement of such categorical restrictions. But insofar as the United States incorporated any tradition of categorical exclusion, it assuredly did not include the targeted disarmament of felons until the 20th century. You know, that's actually an interesting aside because we've seen this pop up in the um, lawsuit that uh, Nikki Freed filed against the Biden administration over uh, uh, medical marijuana laws. Um, The court, in throwing out that lawsuit, said, look, there is this longstanding tradition of banning firearms uh, among certain groups. And uh, the groups that they listed, again, you know, Native Americans, um, maybe Catholics in some circumstances, right? But uh, the, 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 the key there was disfavored groups. As the Fifth Circuit Public Defenders made clear, properly understood, these were not just outliers, but these were um, violations of people's right to keep and bear arms. And the Second Amendment, uh, as they say, properly understood, is a repudiation of those type of categorical restrictions. Now, one of the other arguments that um, the government, basically the state, uh, has made in terms of keeping the current statute in place is that while you may not find strict uh, examples of the same type of, you know, felon possession laws in place at the time of the founding or even at the ratification of the 14th Amendment, there were analogs. There were laws that uh, were similar in nature that had the same intent that uh, that are longstanding. Uh, and basically, one of those arguments was the, the, the unvirtuous people uh, could be disarmed. Um, basically, you know, that the Second Amendment applies only to virtuous people. Well, the Fifth Circuit public defenders uh, take on that argument as well in their brief. Uh, and they write that before Bruin, 
uh, courts often acknowledge the absence of founding era felony restrictions, yet they concluded that the statute was constitutional by relying on Heller's dicta that prohibitions on felon farmers possession were longstanding or by applying the now uh, subrogated or abrogated uh, means and scrutiny test. Um, they go on to say, though, that uh, this reasoning uh, is irreconcilable with the framework laid out in Bruin. The Supreme Court expressly rejected the use of means in scrutiny. Moreover, they say the longstanding prohibition language in Heller is dicta, and courts have cautioned against it, uh, or courts have uh, cautioned against reliance against it. Um, going on, they say that uh, when it comes again to that sort of uh, good moral character clause, basically, right? Uh, you're, an, you're not an undesirable person, but uh, you're an unvirtuous citizen. Um, the public defenders say that historical evidence of disarming slaves, Indians, and political opponents cannot be generalized to encompass all unvirtuous people, quote-unquote, a term that mischaracterizes those historical categories and which would encompass considerably more categories than felons. The term lacks a limiting principle and is defined, quote, far too broadly, uh, which they note was also repudiated by Bruin. You can't have these vague and arbitrary determinations like you had in a May-issue system when it came to concealed carry license, determining whether or not somebody had a justifiable need, right? And now we've seen some states replace justifiable need with, uh, again, are, are, are you um, suitable to carry a firearm? Do you possess the good moral character necessary to carry a firearm? Again, setting up these arbitrary uh, and very subjective determinations to allow a may-issue system to continue to operate uh, in practice, if not in name. So the Fifth Circuit is now, or at least the public defenders on the Fifth Circuit, uh, are now trying to apply that same argument when it comes to felons in possession. Now, I don't know what's going to happen here with the Third Circuit or the Fifth Circuit. I am intrigued. The Fifth Circuit was just the uh, same circuit court of appeals that uh, overturned the Trump administration's ban on bump stocks. Uh, and I thought it was a very, very solid decision. So I, I am really curious to see what the Fifth Circuit does here. The Third Circuit, I would not be surprised, given its hostility uh, historically, towards the right to keep and bear arms, to, uh, to see them uphold the uh, current ban on firearms possession, even for nonviolent felons. However, I, I think it's going to be a close decision. Um, according to the current makeup of the court, there are, I believe, seven Republican justices, Republican-appointed justices, and uh, six Democrat appointed, uh, not justices, excuse me, judges, seven Republican judges, six judges. Let me try that again. I should probably just uh, start this over, but I'm not going to because I don't edit this show. Seven judges appointed by Republican president, six appointed by Democrats. There, that's what I was trying to say. So if it falls along just a, you know, quote unquote, party line vote, um, then the third circuit could offer a surprise as well. But uh, again, I'm, 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 I'm always a little hesitant to put a lot of faith in the Third Circuit, historically, uh, given the hostility that we've seen towards the Second Amendment. But in a year in which the Supreme Court very well could get its hands on a uh, case dealing with a ban on so-called assault weapons, uh, potentially a uh, case dealing with a uh, magazine ban, 
it, it's possible. Uh, probably not likely this year, but more likely next year. But it is possible that this year the Supreme Court could also uh, accept a case dealing with the current blanket prohibition on felons being stripped of their right to keep and bear arms forevermore. Something definitely to uh, keep our eyes on. Now let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there with a case out of Palm Beach, Florida, where a uh, man charged with having a stolen gun, as well as violating his probation after he was pulled over in Palm Beach. Uh, yeah, the guy apparently is from South Dakota, but from what I understand, uh, he's been on, he's on probation for a crime in Florida, as a matter of fact. The uh, 18-year-old who turns 19 just a couple days from now, driving a, uh, a car in uh, Palm Beach when he failed to stop at a stop sign. Palm Beach officer saw the man run the uh, sign, pulled him over. Man told the officer he didn't have ID or a valid driver's license. When more officers arrived, one of them noticed a gun in the open center console. Don't know why the first officer didn't notice that, but the uh, man was asked to step out of his car. Officer saw he was wearing an electronic monitor device on his right ankle. Yeah. Uh, dispatchers able to identify the man. He later told police that he was on supervised release following an arrest in February 2022 for robbery in Riviera Beach, Florida. When police checked the serial number on the gun, they found that it was listed by the Minnehaha County Sheriff's Office in South Dakota as being reported stolen. Uh, police actually found another gun under the driver's seat of the car, and they uh, found about 1,200 rounds of ammunition, various calibers, when they uh, searched the vehicle as well. Uh, right now, the man is facing charges of grand theft of a firearm, carrying a concealed firearm during the commission of a felony, as well as violation of probation, which... Again, we've just been talking about felons in possession of a firearm. That's not one of the charges that this 18-year-old is facing. Which makes me wonder if the felony robbery charge wasn't pled down to a misdemeanor charge of some kind, placed on probation, and that's why he is able to avoid, uh, well, at least one serious charge in his uh, most current arrest. We'll keep our eyes on the story, bring any more details as they become available. Uh, uh, now moving on to today's armed citizen story of Fox News reporting on the uh, concealed carry holder in California who didn't need a concealed carry license. He was on his own property, but uh, still he did a firearm and uh, thankfully had one because he had to shoot an axe wielding attacker on his property. The uh, Merced County Sheriff's Department says uh, sheriff's deputies got a call last week uh, about a uh, assault taking place in the city of Dos Palos, California. On the uh, way to the scene, deputies were informed by dispatch that the victim was a legally permitted concealed carry holder who shot the adult male in self-defense. The uh, suspect, according to police, had attempted to hit the victim with an axe. When police arrived, they uh, found the suspect identified as Luis Larios, who suffered a uh, non-life-threatening gunshot wound. A uh, tourniquet applied to Larios by uh, deputies as they waited for an ambulance to arrive. Facebook uh, post from the uh, sheriff's office says deputies determined the property owner located Larios sitting in his vehicle on the property he was stuck in the mud. Property owner then tried to help him get his car unstuck. And that's when Larios became angry and grabbed an axe from the trunk of his car, began swinging the axe in a threatening way. Yeah. According to the sheriff, the uh, shooting determined to be justified self-defense. Larios currently in custody pending criminal charges. Don't know why he decided to take a swing with an axe that the guy was trying to help him out, but I'm glad that the Good Samaritan was able to uh, act in self-defense. And uh, finally today, our good deed of the day, another good deed. This one not involving an armed citizen, however. A uh, nurse in the right place at the right time, wasn't able to do the right thing. 
save a man who had collapsed in his front yard. This was in uh, River Hills, Wisconsin. This was last Friday morning. There was a nurse who apparently was just going by. Don't know if it was on uh, foot or in a vehicle. Um, but she noticed a guy who had collapsed on the ground. So she stopped what she was doing, went over to check on him, was able to start uh, CPR uh, until uh, firefighters and paramedics got to the scene and took over, taking the man to the uh, hospital for further treatment. The River Hills police uh, said, quote, the subject survived because of CPR and what started as the actions of one passerby. In this case, it was someone trained in the medical field, but it didn't have to be. Anyone with a training in the will to step in could have saved the subject's life. Uh, they went on to say, we don't want to take anything away from the actions of the nurse, the officers, or the firefighters that day. They saved this man's life. Instead, we want to push the importance of learning CPR so that it doesn't take someone in the medical field or a first responder to step in to start CPR if it's necessary. So in this case, again, in the right place, at the right time, we'll be able to do the right thing, a, a nurse in River Hills, Wisconsin. But good advice from the police department as well. This is a... Uh, this is some life-saving information that all of us can learn. You don't have to be an MD or an RN in order to uh, get CPR training. And again, just like carrying a firearm for self-defense, you never know when that CPR training might come in handy as well. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program and suffering through my uh, brain farts there earlier in the program. We'll be back tomorrow, hopefully a little less uh, gaseous in the cranium. But we'll be uh, talking more about some of the big Second Amendment news stories from across the country. And, of course, I would encourage you to check out BarryAndArms.com throughout the day, where we have even more news stories for you on your right to keep and bear arms. The uh, wins, the losses, and the challenges ahead, all there at BarryAndArms.com. If you'd like me to see, you can also become a VIP subscriber. Just use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. We're going to give you exclusive news stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else as our way of saying thanks, because your support does matter, and it does make a difference. Have a great rest of your Monday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free. <laughs>